Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. I'm Chris. Chris 1.0. Chris 1.0. Today we have Chris 2.0. Chris Holling yet. He's back to break down convicts at large with us. He was on earlier for Quiet Sam. Good to have you, Chris. Good to be back, guys. I'm I'm honored as usual. First time I was here with you guys, I was just admiring the new podcast you're in season one it was kind of cool i am uh by this point i am legit fanboy right now so you're you're our first advertiser yeah yeah we'll always have you here yeah was i was i the first guest Mm -hmm. you were you were you all have definitely upgraded since then (laughs) i'm no randy turner or alan newsom you, we, I wouldn't say we've upgraded. I would say we've expanded. That, that oh. would be the word I would use. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that euphemism. And so today we're breaking down an episode where Barney and basically a, a deputy and a barber are held hostage by female three female convicts who work out their issues with their ex-husbands with them. And no, it's not a movie you would see on Cinemax at three o'clock in the morning. It is actually a, um, it's actually an episode <laughs> of the Andy Griffith show. I didn't and see where Chris, you were going with that for a little bit. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, this is one of your favorite episodes, right? Yes. I mean, when you mentioned that, the way you, <laughs> the way you described it, I mean, uh, Two guys held captive by three women. I mean, most guys be like, hey, what's the big deal with that? <laughs> yeah, this is, this, these are not your three uh, average ordinary women either. Um, no. This is actually, I know now I'm going to, I'm going to play the Andy Griffith Show nerd card here. I actually have made a top 30 list of all the episodes. And, and um, I would say, going with the Loaded Goat podcast uh, style, these, my top 30 are the, what I would say, the 10 whistles episodes. And, um, and this one happens to be number two on the list. So oh, wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is as I was making notes on this, I thought this sounds so disturbing when you're writing notes on paper about all of this. Cause it's just, cause the plot is so crazy, but it is also just kind of a thing of beauty when you watch it actually all take place on in the episode, which is what makes it so fun. What makes this so magical? What makes it work? In my opinion is, uh, Barney and Floyd, them together, they are pure magic. They're both great physical comedians um as a matter of fact i in my opinion i know there are a lot of good ones but in my opinion the two best physical comedians in television history is uh don knotts and john ritter um and they actually get to work together you know later in, mm-hmm. in the career and in, in three's company uh that sitcom but the but floyd and and barney here are just amazing together i love it they're such yeah. a good foil, especially in the last scene, which we can get to. But Floyd eating a banana, my goodness. Oh, I, oh. I almost – listen, I, I looked in my kitchen before I got on here. I was like, I want to be eating a banana <laughs> when we start. But uh, I, I, I dropped the ball. I failed at grocery shopping, so no bananas today. Well, it's uh, it's 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 okay. It's like I think the banana. It's funny the banana scene just jumped out to me, too, of all the craziness, and he's sitting there eating the – banana you know the 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 one thing i didn't realize when i until i was doing my notes and my research on this is that this episode is probably i would say the best of the barney and floyd back and forth 
And unfortunately, we never really got to see them build on the or the writers take advantage of it because basically almost after this episode or shortly after this episode was completed, Howard Lanier had a stroke and was never able to do that kind of physical comedy ever, ever oh, again really? like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, this was his, yeah, his last one before the stroke. And and Christopher, you're gonna see this. Floyd will come back. Uh, Howard McNair will come back uh, after, a, uh, I guess, about a year. And he's really good. For I mean, he has like five dozen more uh, really big episodes. but And he's really good. But he has nothing like this right here. And, and I, I'm with you, Aaron. I believe, that had he not had the stroke, I believe the writers, after this episode, and they saw what happened, they would have thrown a lot more of the Barney and Floyd thing together. Oh, I think so. And... Randy Turner was telling me that initially Howard McNear was uncomfortable with the episode that we did a few a few ones back with Alan Newsom uh, called Floyd the Gay, De- Gay Deceiver because he didn't really want to be the center of attention in the episode. And they finally got him to go along with it. And in this one, he's still basically the center of attention. But it seemed like he just got more comfortable with with kind of being a yeah. little more of a focal point before this actually happened. You know, you saw that in that episode when the whole I'm going to Nashville and stop looking, uh, scream yourself and looking glass. Yeah, I saw a little glimpse of that physical comedy of Floyd, and it. I I think they probably like. Okay, we're we're going to play on this. We're going to build on this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And this was you know a Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum episode, and it, I learned that the idea for this was to do a satire on the Desperate Hours, which is a play and was it ended up being two movies about a family being held um, hostage by escaped convicts. Paul Newman played the main bad guy in the play, and then. Uh, Humphrey Bogart and Mickey Rourke did in the movies, but in the house, I mean, the, the, the Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart version is really good, and it's just a kind of a tense, you know, cat and mouse thriller, um, and this is obviously just, you know, the, a 180 of that for sure. And I want to say this before you dive in the episode um, about, about my list, the last thing I'll talk about sure, my list. Yeah. Um, uh, of my, of the top 30, my top 10, I was looking at this, and I didn't really realize it till uh, recently. Actually, actually can you give can you give us your top 10? Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, and uh, what I was about to say is of my top 10, by the way, uh, you all, in my opinion, are in no doubt to me, the best season of Andy Griffith show, season three. Now, that's not to say that the other seasons aren't going to be good. They are. Uh, as a matter of fact, my number one is from season five. But of my top 10, five of the 10, half of my top 10 list is from season three. Um, and so in season three, you get so much. You, y'all, I was doing a little other, uh, I guess, uh, fanboy <laughs> work here. And in season three, you get the character premieres of, I mean, I know, Christopher, you're, you're not, you're not winning up through all the, the uh, series yet, but you're going to find out. And Aaron, you know this. Characters like Gomer, Gomer Pyle, we get him in season three. Ernest T. Bass in season three for the first time. The Darlings for the first time. Helen Crump, like her or don't like her, you get her, and she's <laughs> going to be there from now on. Um, not to mention small parts that we get are very memorable, like uh, Hubcap Slash, Malcolm Merriweather, Asa Brini, the security guard, Mayor Stoner, you've already seen him. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a, a buzzkill, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, that's true. So my t- my top ten list, and then I'll I'll hush and let you get going. 
Um, number one, two, other, one other okay. tidbit character that I just think appears in the season, the fun girls who I just think are so much, uh, so, yes, so, so entertaining. Yeah. And Mr. Tucker, Malcolm Tucker. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's in some other episodes as different characters, but, but that, uh, let's not forget Leon too. Oh yeah. Oh, Leon. Oh, Leon. No, thanks Leon. <laughs> uh, okay. My top 10 list. Number 10 is the keeper of the flame. You, you all have covered that one yet uh, already. Uh, number nine is Barney's first car, season three. Number eight is, and by the way, Keeper of Flame was season two. Number eight is the class reunion, season three. Uh, number seven is the haunted house, season four. Number six is My Fair Ernestine Bass, season four. Number five, Mountain Wedding, season three. Number four is Back to Nature, season four. Number three is Man in a Hurry, season three. Number two is this one we're talking about today, Convicts at Large. And my number one, my favorite Andy Griffith episode of all time is from season five, episode 14, Three Wishes for Opie. Yeah, Three Wishes for Opie is a beautiful piece of, as far as just, as far as just from start to finish, just how it all ties together is just an amazing episode. From what I've seen, that's a good list. Uh, well, when when you all get to season five, if you're looking for somebody to hang out with you for Three Wishes for Opie, I would love to be there. Let's I don't know. Our sca- September our schedule's, 2026. Schedule's <laughs> really packed. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, of course. <laughs> we'll have you back for that. For you, sure. need to get, uh, you need to get Billy Bob Thornton on here. You know, there's a, there have been a few that like the celebrity ones, like Billy Bob Thornton, I know, um, is obviously a huge Andy Griffith fan and had him in some of his movies. The legend has it that James Carville, when he was running Clinton's campaign in 92, would stop and st- his his moment of, I'm going to take a 30 minutes break from the campaign, was to sit down and watch Andy Griffith. So there's a lot more out there than we realize. So let's dive in. This episode first aired on December 10th, 1962. We open with a prison break and three women working their way through the woods. The leader is Big Maud, and she has Naomi and Sally with her. Rita Shaw plays Big Maud, and Greenbaum, Greenbaum, Everett Greenbaum, said they wrote the character with her in mind. She later appeared in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, the movie with Don Knotts. Naomi is played by Gene Carson, who also played Skippy of the Fun Girls, best known for going, hello, doll. And um, and then we have Sally, who is played by Jane Dula, who is best remembered for playing Agent 99's mother on Get Smart. So is this episode a retelling of the Odyssey? Could be. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know the Odyssey very well, but old brother Arthur that was. And, it, you know, similar-ass characters coming out, rolling through, breaking out of jail, doing their thing. What do you think? Yay or nay? Onto something? I think for convicts on the loose, they were fairly harmless, if you ask me. I would agree. Well, with Christopher, that. Christopher, I think you're onto something. Actually. Thank you. And Thank I, you I was bonding. Yes, I would tie this. I would say this is old Al, where art thou? <laughs> good, good, good. Thank we you. Need you. We need to have you back just periodically, Chris, so we can just boost Christopher's self esteem. <laughs> That's what we need. Oh, I just re-listened to these over and over again to do that. Okay. <laughs> so back in the jail, Andy is listening to the report on the radio of the escaped convict. And he says, well, Barney picked a day to go fishing. And we cut to Barney and Floyd stuck in the woods with no gas. And you're just you're like, this is just where you're kind of like, first of all, you're kind of like, 
Barney and Floyd went fishing, and then they 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 were they um they have no gas. Bar Barney blames Floyd for not bothering to fill up. Floyd blames Barney for taking a shortcut that gets them lost. And but neither either way, they've got to go look for a farmhouse or go to look for some help. It's a great scene. It sets up the whole dynamic that they have between them for that. They do this kind of beautifully. You know, we we're talking about the physical humor before, but this is you get the verbal back and forth that we see play out physically later. Flo Floyd and Floyd and Barney going fishing. What could possibly happen? Right? <laughs> did you and did you notice uh, this is really uh, small and probably pointless, but um, Floyd's hat, you know, the traditional kind of fishing hat with the lures stuck in it. Have either of you ever actually had a fishing hat where you put lures in the hat? No. Because no. normally I feel like you got that cute vest where you put the little, yeah. I don't fish a lot, but yeah. I know well, the fashion. I used to fish a, a lot more than I do now, but I never did that. That's very stereotypical to give the fishing look. I, I understand that. But it's not very practical. If you've ever got a barbed fishing hook in your hat or any fabric, <laughs> it is really hard to get out. And uh, I, that's totally it's getting stuck in the hair and the head. Yeah, yeah I'm with I mean, you on this one. You know, you know. Every time I've ever seen somebody with that, and I've seen it a few times, I've always just thought it was for show. I never really have ever thought they're going to get to the bank and and, and pull and pull the uh, pull the lure out. Yeah. Uh, also, did. Did, you didn't mention this, and that we don't have to talk on it much, but um, this this episode seems a little unique. In the very first little scene, you know, it was the, the the prison break, I guess. It didn't show any of the the ladies, but it has like the cops up on top of the you know the prison guards on that, and the sirens yeah. going off. Um, it almost seems to me like that is, and and I guess it's not, but it almost seems like it's cut from some old old movie or something do you have any idea have you ever heard any where they got that footage i don't know i mean i but i will say i mean i have heard of that happening as they use stock footage i mean even if you watch like the godfather um i remember watching the commentary on that and there's a scene where they're driving through just old new york in the 40s and they didn't go recreate New York in the 40s and drive through it. They just went and found footage of New York in the 40s and plopped it in. So it would not shock me if they had just had something on file that they just added a bunch of audio to. Okay, I'm going to put a request in. Will the next time you have Randy Turner on, will you ask him if he knows anything about that? I would not be surprised if you really went through old, old, uh, you know, 60s crime movies or whatever that you might see that. I don't know. Randy you know, Turner, I know. You know what? You know what? We're just going to take the Rocky approach of 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 of, of, of telling Polly his sister is with Rocky. I'm just going to say, hey, Randy, if you're listening, can you, uh, can, you can you let us know if, 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 about this? I'm, you know how to reach me. Uh, let's see. Let's see if that works. It usually works best through bat signal. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll try that approach. Um, so Barney decides to change into his uniform in case they decide to hit. <laughs> hitchhike because in his civvies he's a little hard looking <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's what i always get when i see barney in in his uniform you know yeah that's <laughs> that guy right there that, that that made me laugh they end up at the o'malley place o'malley sounds sounds more eccentric than he appears to be later in the episode but he's very rich he goes to Detroit a lot and apparently takes the bus. And apparently he's got this nice cabin and everybody knows he's gone. So um, <laughs> he's a rich guy. No running water. 
Doesn't yeah. have running water. Very eccentric, I guess. <laughs> I love, I love, I laugh every time I see it. The, the scene when they approach the cabin, Floyd's like, oh, you don't call a rich man by his first name. And Barney just, hey, Chuck. I do <laughs> love that. Mm. Adore it. So yeah. good. Um, it turns out the convicts, surprise, surprise, are staying there. And big after Barney calls, Big Mod first says, you know, after her, after her fellow convicts are like, she's smart, she'll know what to do. And when she uh, immediately yell, yells out the window, there's no one here. And then, <laughs> and then, and then basically, go okay, ahead. keep going. I've got something. Oh, and this or not, Christopher, you'll enjoy this. This reminds me of something that happened to Aaron and I in high school. We had left. You remember this, Aaron? We left. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we went to the beach to get lunch, the Telco Beach Drive-In or something like that. Uh, we were, was it junior year? We were we were leaving. We we didn't sign out of school. Uh, confession now. We cut school, went to get lunch and uh, up the river. Came back, and we're, we thought we were, we were scot-free. We'd made it. We were trying to sneak back into school. We come down our breezeway, this long um, outdoor walkway to the building. And um, as we start on one side, on the other side coming toward us just so happens to be our football coach, Coach Lyles. And here we're thinking, oh, man, we're busted. And I, I tell Aaron, I said, all right, listen, here's what we're, we're going to have to do. And about the time I started to say that, Aaron interrupts me and he says, listen, don't worry, I got this. Now, listen, I should have known something right then was up. Uh, this was not going to go well. But Aaron said, no, I got this. We walk up, Coach Lyles with his uh, grin. You just have to know him when he knows you. he's got you busted. He said, gentlemen, where where have you been? What's going on? And uh, and I turned and look at Aaron like, all right, this is your time. Come through, buddy. And Aaron just starts, he goes blank and starts just stuttering and stammering. And long story short, we didn't get out of that. We got We got busted. <laughs> He he, t- he took uh, he took he took basically mercy on us to just let us go, and um, I got I went with another person who I don't think, in hindsight, who I left school with, and this person this person Chris knows who this person is, and we got busted because we had Mountain Dews, and I just didn't have an answer for him, and we got caught, and this was another per the person that I was with. In hindsight, I don't think Coach Lyles liked very much, and so I think the um, I think the uh, the the punishment was going to become a little harsher, and so he took us in and he was going to suspend us for a day. And I'm kind of like for going up to Mountain View Market and getting a Mountain Dew, but I was like, please, Coach, don't do this because you know at that point I'm a junior in high school and I'm thinking about my permanent record because you know that's what they do is they yeah, pull for sure. Anytime you go somewhere, they're gonna pull your they're gonna pull your permanent record. I mean, they don't just take you. They don't just get your transcripts and your application. They're on the phone with the they're on the phone saying, "Can I have all the records of corporal punishment on this young man?" And so, so we end up. Um, I ended up basically talking and begging him to not do that suspend us that person who will be remain nameless is kind of like i'm going to um we could have just taken a day off from school i was like yeah it wasn't going to work that way with my with my parents and so he just basically (laughs) gives us three licks of the paddling oh really yeah and that was and which i was happy to get away with because that's that's fine when i tell this story to people the older and older i get and they hear this story they are all just kind of disturbed when they hear about a 16 year old getting paddled paddled in high school but that was just the that was just the way it was back then yeah 
Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to get us on this sidetrack, but um, the whole point was this. Um, my faith and confidence in Aaron to get us out of that one with the football coach was about like these other two convicts and, and Big Mom. Oh, she'll, know, she'll think of something really good. That's what I thought about Aaron. So. Well, no, I think it all tracks. And Aaron's a smooth talker now, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness, thank goodness. And Chris just, Chris just, I just had to go down memory lane talking about the second time I got busted doing that. It didn't, it didn't work out as well. Yeah, ridiculous. So, you got paddled. Go on. I <laughs> see. I know he's he Christopher would be just um would be just shocked. So yeah, basically they let them in, and Bar and one of them takes Barney's gun, and one and basically they sit him down, and Sally starts rubbing his hair, saying he reminds her of her old boyfriend Al, and she starts calling him Al. Yeah, and Barney's. <laughs> And Barney is just not half happy. It's a good thing he got dressed in his uniform because he probably, as a, as in his civvies, he would have not looked like Al and wouldn't have been so appealing to the eye, maybe. Possibly. You and yeah, or he may have. I wonder if he would have had his gun more concealed too. But either way, Floyd, you know, smooth man that he is, ends up taking, you know, telling them where his one bullet is, and so they've got him right where they want him. So. Just so no one gets suspicious, Big Mod makes Barney call Andy and say they're staying overnight at the O'Malley place. And so it's also got, not a great idea. You don't tell them exactly where they are. Well, that's true too. It's the whole yeah. I mean, this was a this this was not you know there was a movie I saw where these two kinds of, these two criminals are up to are getting are getting pulled in to something and somebody walks up to the two criminals and they say who's the brains of this operation and the um and the one of the criminals goes i wouldn't call this a brains kind of operation and that's <laughs> that's kind of where we're at with this with these two that's and big mod makes them makes barney call andy um, Andy tell Barney tells Andy to to, to the, what's that they're there, but he tries to signal him before he hangs up just to let him know what's going on and use a tried <laughs> yeah tried and true method called Pig Latin, saying "Onvix K Irhe." It is the only use of Pig Latin on the show. Um, Big Mod gets upset and says he's lucky that the sheriff had already hung up. Floyd tells Barney, better watch it, Al. And we go to an unusually early commercial break less than 10 minutes into the show. Don't you think this was a little bit of a cry for help to Sarah? Wouldn't Sarah have heard once Andy hung up? I really wouldn't count on Sarah. She's Sarah, not doing anything. Sarah's not really the most reliable person. All right. Okay. Yeah. She's just always available whenever someone needs her. But yeah, she's not reliable. Actually, you're going to find out she's not always available. That was great. That <laughs> yeah. was great. You see, once again, you, Christopher, you're just carrying this podcast. I couldn't agree uh, more. Listen, um, you, you're right. Well, I mean, who has ever heard of a switchboard operator who is not nosy and listens in? I've never. Yeah, no. No. Yeah. I mean, it's you're spot on. I think. I think this the responsibility and the blame are placed squarely on the shoulders of Sarah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, as the brains of this operation, I'm going to keep us, <laughs> keep us moving forward. Truck on. <laughs> After the break, Naomi wants to fight Barney and then Sally makes Barney dance with her and then watching how they do this. This is just great stuff. It is beautiful. Yeah. When you see Floyd over there, has he started the banana yet? At this point, not yet. At this nope, point, not yet. Okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to 
come too soon with the banana. Um, but another song comes on and Naomi breaks a vase over Floyd's head. It turns out that that was Naomi and her husband's song. <laughs> I was actually a little worried that this was going to take a whole turn of the episode and they were going to get wildly violent. I mean, that's the that's the one thing you don't really have to worry about. Like tonight on the it's it's like it's tonight like on the, the Andy Griffith tonight advisory on the, tonight on a very special Andy Griffith episode. We you know go into Saw Saw <laughs> yeah, Four Saw Four or and, uh, yeah. Floyd's. I mean, he, he takes a pretty hard whack to the head. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. You think it was, was going to turn really violent, but what, what do these convicts do now? Oh, they just want to go back to dancing. Yeah, you know, funny, it was Jean Carson did say that she actually had to be very mindful. She was very, very nervous about doing that to Howard McNair, which I can I can see why. I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's a it's got to be a I'm sure it's like, what is it? One of those sugar the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. They make it of sugar. So it just breaks. But still, it's you know. I can never do that because my hands are too sweaty that it would just melt in my hands before <laughs> I try to break it. Hey, can we stop here and say, um, have any of y'all ever thought about what are these convicts? What's their end game? Oh, I mean, they they run, they flee, and they go into some remote cabin, and they're in the cab. What's next? I mean, they're yeah. just when Floyd and Barney get there, it looks like they're just chilling. Man, they're good. They're just going to stay there the rest of the year. You know, I, I talk about this. This I make references to this movie too much, but I, my perception is just it's like Cool Hand Luke. It's just always like the joy of the chase. And no, they'll go back, but they're just trying to live out you know, as long as they can. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Big Mod is not Andy Dufresne. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a, I think a lot of, you know, every prison, you know, like on the prison break episodes or the prison break movies where we see this, they're always like, they've got this long-term, they're going to get out and they're never going to be seen again. But I mean, how many stories of, you know, in real life, how many convict stories they're out for like three days and then they're, and then they're found again. You you want a fun thought? How do y'all? How do you two think they escaped? Oh, oh, I think they sweet talked to guard. Oh no, I think they're putting sheets together, throwing it over a wall, and shimmying their way up. Listen, if anybody sweet talked to guard, it was not Big Mom. I'm sorry, <laughs> she just doesn't have that personality. Doesn't seem to me. Maybe no. I don't know. No, and Sally and Sally and I just don't think Sally and Naomi could have stuck with the plan because they seem like they're a little unhinged. Yeah, there is a manic nature to it that I think lends itself to like brute force out of the fences. Yeah, I think Big Maud physically uh, overpowered a, a male guard at the prison. Yeah, they saw an opening. They took it. They ran. And, and I don't get the impression... They busted out of a maximum security prison, given how ultimately gentle they were with Floyd and, and Barney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people change. Maybe it was a reformation. But, and they went right back to prison. Yeah. Maximum security prisons are really known for reforming people. You know? That, yeah. Yeah. Some of the most well-adjusted people I know who have, have went to, um, have, you know, spent time in maximum security prison. Chris and I obviously know people who are doing time and who have done time. Do you know anybody who's... Um, I do. Yes, I do. I haven't been in touch, though. Have they been reformed? I, I don't know. I guess I'll find out when yeah. we get out. I don't know. Do you know, Chris, can you think of anybody? And obviously, we're not naming names here, but anybody that's been in the prison system that, you know, that's been been reformed? 
Well, I mean, not personally that I can think of. I've, I've heard stories, of course, and, sure. and had, had people come church services and, and share their, their story and, and that. But, but some of the ones that maybe you were thinking about when you mentioned people we know, if I go down the list, it, it doesn't seem like they're reformed. They're just kind of right back in. I feel like Aaron's trying to take this in a weird direction about whether or not our prison system just is cap puts people in captivity or if it is really a reformation system. How far are we going to go into this, Aaron? Well, Chris, well, let's let's talk let's talk about capital punishment. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, I think I think no, I'm just saying, I just think if you're in a prison, I just am always thinking if you're in a prison, like when they're talking about going to prison, I'm kind of like you know, you do hear the, hear, hear the Reformation stories, but it also can just be very, um, you know, you hear stories about how awful prison sounds as well. So that's just the other thing. You're not getting out of this one. What's next? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so the, where were we? Um Let's see. Later, Barney has a gun pointed at his head and Maude is giving Floyd instructions on getting groceries and sends him to town with the girls. Streets are like a child. Repeat it again. And and come on, Floyd. (laughs) I mean, I think, I think, you know, she's not there. Big Mod is not going to sit and really worry about your feelings. And if you're, if you're really, you know, she's really communicating with you appropriately. Because you know why? Because Big Mod was a, is a product of the penal system, and she has not been reformed. <laughs> that, that's why. Well, she got out early. Yeah, yeah. So in town, Andy sees Floyd, who is a nervous wreck, and gets and basically gets the impression that there is a party up at O'Malley's, and that Floyd has got him a girlfriend. The gay deceiver is- strikes again. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kind of like, what kind of party is happening? And <laughs> Floyd's like, oh, Floyd, it's you, you devil, you. And there's like, well, I mean, who's, I'm just kind of like, where are these, he's never seen these women before. I'm just kind of like, what's, what's Andy really thinking they're up to? It's, it's, I'll just be honest, it's a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, thinking in the, you know, in the context of Andy Griffith's show, it's a little strange. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know, it's, it's, they're all grown. They're all adults. They're all grown ups. It's not like you know. It's just, but it is just kind of like you get used some kissy. I mean, I don't know. It's just a little, <laughs> little, little strange. But so they leave, and then the bus pulls up, and O'Malley calls for Andy. And as we can all imagine, he's got to be a bit surprised, and just basically asks if he can drive him to his cabin because he knows something must be up. What was like O'Malley's that? plan? Was he going to walk? <laughs> I well, I wonder. I mean, here's a question: Do you think Mayberry has a cab stand? No, no, no. We know the cab driver. Do yeah. You, do you think it has a it has a cab driver though? Don't you think? No, no. Surely. Did Teleco no. planes? <laughs> Madisonville, the town over, has a cab service, but I don't know um, how much it actually was used. It was used. I mean, my mom told me that when she was younger and first married to my dad. There was an older man in the community and, you know, outside of Teleco Plains where everybody lived. I think his name was Gene and all the old ladies would get him to drive, to drive them places. So it was always like Gene was going to take them to the store. Or Gene was doing that. So Gene was the de facto cab, cab service. The car but, service. Just maybe yeah, not a taxi. Not a taxi. But the um, but the but yeah, I don't. But yeah, I don't think maybe he was going to walk. Uber yeah. before Uber. Right yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's entitled to some money there. 
Yeah. Hey, I mean, or maybe he just walked around town and was like, hey, you can give me a ride. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he would have done. So I want to say this, too, before you get away from the bus stop whole deal. Then, then I don't know if you ever noticed this, but I cannot watch the episode without noticing this every time. So next time you watch it, notice this. <clears throat> when <laughs> this is uh, I'm, I'm going to be a geek here. But when the bus door opens. Start counting. One thousand one. One thousand. When you get to four seconds. O'Malley says, hey, Andy. Two seconds later, so a total of six seconds, he's standing right beside him. There is no possible way that O'Malley could have gotten out of the bus across the street at the other intersection and been right there in that amount of time. It is a goof. It is. It drives me nuts. I love it. This sounds a lot like the second shooter, like uh, JFK assassination, too. It's like... (laughs) I have have seen this episode too many times, obviously. Well, there is, and you know, you know, you're talking about not getting buses right. There is a, there's an episode of Gomer Pyle USMC where Gomer goes to, to Mayberry to see everybody. And it turns out they're all on vacation. Christopher, you and I will review this at some point. So I'm sorry to spoil this for you, but he gets there. They're all on vacation. He decides since no one's there, he's going to go back. He gets there. He's sitting on the bus. He sees them pull up and he's like banging on the window trying to get off. And I'm kind of like, this is not, it's not like you're in, um, this isn't some horror movie. I mean, or, you know, you can just flag the bus driver down and say, can I get off the bus? So it's amazing what they do with buses um, in this, in this show. I know that scene you're talking about that. Yeah. All, then Andy and, and all of them get out the courthouse. The bus is in the same area yeah. as the bus stop here. Yeah, but I'm thinking this whole six seconds thing. Maybe I'm the only person that this is bothering, but there's no possible way he could have got there. They could have fixed that really easily. Have Andy standing near the bus stop when this mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it I, is a, it, it is a goof. It will not affect my whistles, but it's it's a goof. Okay, <laughs> I, carry on. So. Floyd and Sally return to the cabin and Sally goes out to get water and we see Andy and O'Malley hiding in the forest. Um, Andy sneaks through the window and empties the water. So Naomi has to go back out and get some more. You want something done? You got to do it yourself. You want something done? You got to do it yourself. But I have to say, this is, this is some, you know, commando stuff that um, Andy and O'Malley pull off and pull off. (laughs) This is like Navy SEAL territory. They handcuff and gagger without anybody noticing. And she says nothing. Yeah. I mean, she makes no noise. Have you ever actually been playing as a kid and put that over your mouth? Oh, yeah. You can still squeal or something. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad you said playing as a kid. It's like, if you ever gag somebody and then they keep <laughs> <Yeah>. yelling. <laughs> if, I, if I did, if we did, Aaron would say, don't worry, I'll, I'll get it out of here. We I'll would be in it. there with Big Mom. Just get spanked. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, I mean, the thing of it is, is Andy Griffith is too dark. The Andy Griffith is too lighthearted for Andy Griffith to put a gun to Sally's head and say, make a sound and you're dead. (laughs) You know, so you can't, you you have to to suspend a little disbelief. All right, I'll go along with that. So Naomi's burgers start to burn and Maude sends Sally out and Andy and O'Malley subdue her as well. So then... Barney goes through the window to fan the smoke and Andy sticks his head through the window and tells him to get Maude outside. 
Floyd appears to be sitting on the couch eating a banana and having the time of his life. <laughs> I mean, he's just happy as a clam. Well, he's he's hasn't to the tune. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got the beat. Every, he's just he's just loving life, man. He's, That's a relaxing cabin. That's a nice yeah, place to be. Why waste a good cabin? That's what I always say. Yeah, totally. yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter how you get there. We're all here, you know. Hey, that's right. <laughs> uh, before you leave the the Andy showing up part, my my favorite one of my favorite moments in the whole maybe the whole series. I love Barney's reaction when Andy pops his head in and he says, "Andy, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Shh," and he starts singing it. Andy, what are you doing in here? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite moments. Oh, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And so Maude doesn't want to go outside. So Barney asks her to dance. <laughs> this just, and he's like, I mean, he just all of a sudden just tries to do his, you know, his, his, his most debonair. He goes, you're beginning to get to me. <laughs> and then he demands to take the lead, demands to let her, let him take the lead. And she so, muzzles. Oh yeah. She's into it. And he opens you know one thing. Barney is a treasure. <laughs> he is a treasure <laughs> who can dance. And he opens the door and keeps leading her through the doorway. And Andy keeps trying to grab the gun. Um, he finally gets the gun and 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 subdues uh, subdues Maude. And Barney was just kind of like, well, you know, it's all good. I was just you know, you were just looking for. I was just looking for an opening. And then Floyd, who. Just, just, it was kind of just, I guess, got the, I got a very fast case of Stockholm syndrome. Comes out and says, Mod, Al, if those hamburgers are ruined, I won't be held responsible. <laughs> Such a good Floyd, Floyd shines. Floyd yeah. shines in this episode. And then we go to commercial. And um, in the, epilogue, Do we know where are they keeping the other convicts in the squad car? I don't know where they are. I mean, I'm assuming they just, you know, they've got them, they've got them handcuffed and gagged. I mean, they can't really go far, I suppose. Chris, is that what you did when you were, when you were handcuffing and gagging people, you just kind of set them over <laughs> and they'd stay? Listen, Christopher, I've just decided I've got to just suspend my disbelief because, you know, if I can't get past the handkerchief, <laughs> making noises out from under the handkerchief, I can't even begin That's to get fair. to the car. That's fair. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's, that's what we, that's what in public relations we call dodging, but, you know, pivoting to another answer. Um, it's basically <laughs> or pivoting away. Um, speaking of public relations, in the epilogue, Andy and Barney are at the jail and Barney starts carrying on about how civilians aren't prepared to handle dangerous situations like himself. And he compares them to Floyd. And then he goes, he goes to get the paper and the headline says, local barber catches escape convicts and the it's show ends. Such a good epilogue. I love it. I love the picture of Floyd on that cover page. Really oh, and you, and you know, Floyd just worked that. He just got there, got there, the reporter basically said, I'll tell you the whole story. And, uh, you know, he just, he just, he just beat, beat Andy and Barney <laughs> to the punch. Oh, so good. Yeah, and as we mentioned shortly after this episode, Howard McNear suffered a stroke. He was out of work for 15 months. We do not see him again until season four in the episode Andy Saves Gomer. So I, I every time I watch that episode, Chris, in you know him him going in and getting the letter from Barney, who's on vacation, and reading it to him, I had no idea how significant that scene was until you know reading about this. Yeah, yeah, and and you'll start seeing. They did a good job when he comes back of of hiding the the disability he had from the stroke. He couldn't stand very much. He he couldn't walk hardly, and so they would they 
I mean, they literally built something to let him sit that still made him look like he was standing and in a lot of, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, um, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, if I, some of the things Randy Turner probably knows this more, but, um, I think McNair was just pretty much had decided he was just going to retire from acting after that. And, uh, Andy wanted him back. So, and the other characters, they loved him so much. All I've read about him is Howard McNear was just like a legit great dude that people loved being around him. He had a magnetic personality. He was so kind. He was obviously immensely talented, but they, so Andy um, made, you know, he said, I want him back. No matter if he can only do some limited things, we're going to write around that those limitations we're going to do what we got to do because it's kind of like paying homage to how much he respected him and he said we're not going we want him back so it was it was nice and who knows how long how much i mean howard mcnear i think lived for um maybe four or five years after that who knows if how much of that made him andy keeping them working kept made, played a role in that exactly yeah yeah so big question i think we already know what you would what you would give this chris but We'll let you go first. How many whistles? Ten? Ten. Definitely ten. My second best favorite ever. Second favorite ever. Definitely a ten. There's so much pressure here. I'm going to go nine. I liked, um, I, lo- I love the on location type episodes. No Opie. Dang it down a whistle. No Opie. Uh, yeah. I I'll should have that. Yeah. I'll go ten. I, I mean, this is just, I mean, you know, there's there are certain episodes where, excuse me, having watched so many of these that I just would have to say that this would be, um, yeah, this would be 10. But it doesn't surprise me that Christopher went with nine because he is definitely Team Opie. Team he Opie. And but no Aunt B, so that, you know. Hey, listen here. Close. I am no, listen, I am <laughs> Team No Aunt B. I, in my top 10, no Aunt B featured episodes uh the pit you know the pickle story is a lot of people's favorite uh, it's not mine I, I think in my opinion my humble opinion aunt b was her best in the very first episode where she opie trying to teach her to fish and all that i think she just kind of gradually goes I, I don't know she just she just somehow she annoys me a little uh and I, I know i'm really gonna turn off a lot of diehard griffith fans um i still love all the characters but just aunt b's not my cup of tea well, as we often say, we you know, Aunt B's got her following, but they're not militant on social media. So I think you, sh- you should be okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the one thing you don't have to worry about. I think, yeah, I think with Aunt B, I think it's just one of those things where I just did not enjoy as much. I actually, and I will say this, this may be controversial. I actually like more of her plot lines in the color episodes. That is one character who I actually probably enjoyed more in the color episodes because she was getting out and doing more different just doing different things like learning how to fly and being on game shows and being a juror i mean and you know stuff that probably you didn't really want to see on the andy griffith show anyway it was supposed to be kind of a little slice of a little slice of life but with the stuff where they would almost jump the shark and do do different things that you wouldn't normally see and they would make her the centerpiece of it i actually thought those were fun there's hope for the future be <laughs> how Aaron, how about um here's your one since you mentioned the color episodes. What character would you say if you had to pick one character that was not on the black and whites but was on the color that could totally pull off the black and whites? I would say Howard Sprague. Yeah, me too. 100% yeah. Howard Sprague 
could definitely be right in season three and do awesome. He he was he's my favorite color one I think that's yeah. And I would that would actually that is one where you'd like think about things that you just never saw that if and the thing is is Don Knotts when he would appear in the color episodes I mean he literally had like two weeks off or two weeks to do it and he'd just show up and shoot if the writers had had time to say how can we have Barney and Howard reacting to the same situation where Bar Howard's almost kind of like deadpan and serious and Barney's just so animated. I mean, it would have probably been some really good stuff. And I'll say this too about back to Opie, uh, Christopher, here's a hot take for you. Uh, maybe not so hot. Uh, I believe in my opinion, you know, I mentioned uh, Don Knotts and uh, being such a great physical comedian. I believe in my opinion, uh, without a doubt, in my opinion, uh, Ron Howard is the greatest child actor in the history of Hollywood. Yeah, I would take it. Him and um, Leon. Better than, better than, yeah, better than uh, Shirley Temple, be better than um, Mickey Rooney. Better Rimney. than Macaulay? Uh, <laughs> slightly better than Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I agree. Number one. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pro OP too, so. I did not know, you know, and all the times I've been watching this, I didn't know till this podcast. So here you go, Loaded Goat. And by the way, Loaded Goat, your episode is in this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I did not know till listening to this podcast that every season, the opening episode featured Opie. I didn't, mm -hmm. I never realized that till y'all brought it up. So, yeah, no, it's Stop yeah, Loaded Goat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a, um, they, yeah, I think, I think when it's all said and done, my, you know, I think with the, when you talk about like the color episodes, I mean, the other ones they bring on, I think, I, I mean, Emmett and I guess you could say Sam, who just shows up at the very end, they were fine, but I felt like they were just kind of milk toast characters. I never really thought they were all that, they they had much dimension to them. It's kind of was always my feeling. And they were stretching too, too far, too hard. They were trying too hard to recreate Mayberry. Yeah. Um, and there were, I think the writers had, were about done by that point too. And they were just kind of recycling stuff and plot, my, plot lines. And it just, mm. yeah. It, it's like this. And the way I put it is um, the color episodes of the Andy Griffith Show are sort of like the worst flavor, your least favorite flavor of ice cream. Um, it's not your favorite flavor, but it's still ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like I always say the worst piece of pizza I had was still pretty good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Any final thoughts? No. Good episode. Thanks for joining us, Chris. It's always good to have another uh, another leader uh, join me on this. So I appreciate having you here. Well, if I haven't told you lately, Christopher, you're doing an amazing job. You're okay too, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. This is as always. I appreciate being underappreciated uh thanks for listening folks check us out on itunes spotify and wherever you get your podcast and if you think about it subscribe next week we're doing the beg jacket and until then christopher you're beginning to get to me oh baby better phone them out <laughs> Aaron, you gotta stop it